welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. It's been a while since I've been invited. I had the privilege to speak to the whole church. I really appreciate that. Um, I speak to the kids on a regular basis, which is fantastic. Even on Wednesday, I was up here talking to 300-odd kids, which was amazing. I uh, spoke to the men's breakfast a little while ago. And this is a, just an honour to be invited to speak to the whole church. Uh, to be given this opportunity is fantastic. So thanks to the eldership team. Uh, it's great. Uh, I'm a little bit nervous. Some other guys, I was telling some guys, they asked me, everyone asked, are you nervous? I said, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm 18 trips to the toilet and all that, but... At least two people, seriously, they've said to me recently, oh, don't worry, mate, you'll be right, you've, you know, you've done this before, it'll come back to you, just like riding a bike. I'm thinking, well, I know what happens to people that ride bikes in this church. <laughs> Broken legs, arms, shoulders, ribs, so I'll be lucky to get off this, this stage alive. Just have a few first aiders on hand, that'd be good. No, that'd be good. I have, do have a confession, and that is that um, specifically, Tone did ask me to share the message that I uh, preached at the men's breakfast some on a couple of months ago now. So, uh, fellas, I apologise if you think, oh, not that rubbish again. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm just doing what I'm told. And, uh, and for the ladies, I have, obviously it was a men's breakfast, so it was kind of pitched to the men, tweaked for, for men. Uh, for the girls tonight, I've, what I've tried to do is balance it up a little bit and make it a little bit more uh, applicable to both sexes. As my mum would say in this situation, I've made it a little bit bisexual. That's... So no, mum. No. No. I remember as kids, we was at the shops once. Busy, bustling, busy shops looking for a toilet, somewhere to go. And she said, oh, it's okay, kids. I, I found a bisexual toilet. I ain't going in there. I'll wait till we get home. Thank you. All right, well, I, uh, for those who don't know, and it's quite possible that you, you wouldn't know, I was, used to be one of the, uh, on the eldership team of this church just almost two years ago. I stepped off the eldership team and I went back into a, a uh, what do you call it, secular job or something. And these days... I now work uh, at Yatla Labour Prison as an industries officer, they call it. That is, I just supervise a, a metal workshop, um, look after you know, 10 or a dozen prisoners there, uh, showing them how to make high-quality weapons. Um, <laughs> Australian standards and all that. But, no, we don't, we don't do that. We, we try to teach them basic metal skills and things so when they release, they can go and do something useful and practical. Uh, try to preach here, come on. And I do really enjoy the work. It is really interesting working with, with guys who have, sure, they've done the wrong thing and they've been placed into a jail environment for however long. And personally for me, I've always kind of had a strong bent towards uh, justice issues and, and compassion and just, you know, helping the underdog. 
that's always been something in my heart that I've enjoyed doing. And so in this role that I have, I've been able to sort of join a few of these dots together. And I really do enjoy uh, what I'm currently doing. In fact, uh, we've actually got some guys from Kadena here. Uh, their pastor, Jeff, where is Jeff? Jeff Rollins? There he is. He actually did 12 months in jail, didn't you? I don't want to embarrass him. No, he worked, in, he worked there. He used to work there. He can relate to some of the things I want to talk about tonight. Sorry, I told you you'd get a mention. There you go. Um, and I've always, I have enjoyed uh, my time there. It's been almost two years, can you believe it? But, but what, I've, what I really enjoy about this type of work is how much it correlates to the Bible. Because the Bible, really, when you break it down, it's a story of justice, isn't it? It's all about justice. It's all about mercy. It's all about punishment for sins or crimes committed. There's a message of grace in there, redemption, forgiveness. And all these things are rolled up, and I find myself in this place able to bring something of these teachings and principles to the, to the lives of people, of men, that probably don't know much about that. They know a lot about the punishment and the harshness of the law. And I've found that I've been able to bring, or along with other uh, Christian officers in that place, able to bring something of that into their world. You see, the whole concept of going to jail is about losing your freedom, isn't it? It's our most serious penalty that uh, convicted people can receive. We don't have capital punishment anymore. And so the most serious thing that the courts can do to you if you're found guilty of a criminal offence, is you can go to jail. You lose your freedom. That's what happens. You lose the ability to do as you please within the confines of the law. And I tell you, that is a heavy burden. And I don't care what you think about jail. You know, you see on TV, oh, they've got, they've got televisions and PlayStation. Oh, it's too easy in jail. Let me tell you, I wouldn't want to spend one day as a prisoner in jail. Because the simple fact that you've lost your freedom to come and go as you please, that is one of the highest values in our society. People have fought for hundreds, or well, over the centuries, people have fought and paid high price to protect and preserve their freedom. And to have that taken away from you, no matter how many PlayStation games you have in your cell, I tell you, it doesn't, it doesn't stack up. It's the, it's the worst thing that can happen to a person, I believe. You're supposed to miss your freedom. When you lose it, you're supposed to miss it. sad truth is a lot of people get used to losing their freedom. And it's true, people do become institutionalised and they actually feel more at home in prison. I think that's an absolute tragedy. Real sad. It's a sad fact, but sad nonetheless. Well, I suppose tonight what I want to really speak about from a Christian perspective is the high value of freedom. In our nation, freedom... I believe freedom has become very misunderstood, very distorted. You see, we live in a very blessed nation. Whether you realise it or not, you've only got to turn on the television and tune into a bit of international news and to see how good we have it here. I know that we ain't perfect. I know that there's a lot of injustice, there's a lot of corruption, there's a lot of uh, bad stuff happening in our nation. I know that. But I'll tell you, I thank God that I live in Australia. Amen. We live in a blessed, wonderfully free nation. And I thank God for the governments that we have that are, by and large, upholding our, our best interests and serving us faithfully. 
And I should probably just acknowledge we have Tony Zappi with us here again tonight. Thank you, Tony, for joining us, the member for Macon. Thank you for, for being here tonight. And we do live in a, a very blessed nation. And I think that, uh, as I said, that freedom is so misunderstood in our nation. You talk to the average person, and, and I'll say a non-Christian person, and you ask them if they're free. And they'll say, well, of course I'm free. I'm not in jail. And they will equate their freedom to the absence or the presence of walls and bars around their life. And if they haven't got them, they must be free. And of course, freedom really is as much of a spiritual concept as anything. And so they may not understand that. They'll, they'll simply say, well, they'll base their freedom on their geographical location. Whether they happen to be in jail or not in jail. Fair enough. Christians do this a little bit better. If you ask a, a Christian whether they are free, they may say, yeah, I'm free, not just because I'm not in jail, but because Jesus has saved me. They might be able to give you a, a biblical answer. And that's a good answer. Jesus has set us free. He paid the price for our sins. And because of that, we are free. We've been set free from certain things. The curse of sin and death, eternal separation from God the Father. We've been set free from that. But you know what? There's actually another dimension to this. See, even as Christians, it's not just about what we've been set free from. It's not just that we have been, able, been set free from those nasty things, the curse of sin and death. But we've been set free to do some things. And it's a little bit like I get the picture I get the way that the level that many Christians live at, okay, they've been set free. But the picture I get is that it's a bit like a prisoner being released from prison. He steps out through the, the gate, the big gate rolls open. Doesn't happen yet like that, but you know, that's the picture most people have. Rolls open and then rolls shut, slam. He looks around, he sees, I'm on the other side of that wall at last. I'm free. And then he thinks, well, that'll do me. I'll just camp here. I'm free from that place. And as long as I'm on this side of the wall, I'm happy. I'll just stay right here. And I think that a lot of Christians live their lives like that. They think, well, I'm not in there. I'm doing all right. I'm not going to hell. This will do. But the reason you get let out of jail is so you can go and live your life. You can go and do stuff. And for Christians, we've been empowered now to go and live our life, to fulfill the plans and purpose that God has for us, to use all the gifts and talents that we've been given. It's not just about camping outside the prison wall and saying, phew, got out of there. And sadly, many prisoners, real prisoners, end up in jail before the sun goes down. That's true. Some guys can't handle their freedom and they end up doing the very same things that got them in there in the first place. And I think that's the struggle that a lot of Christians have. Is that they keep, they've been set free, but they keep messing around with the same things that got them enslaved in the first place. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. That's a wonderfully uh, powerful, irrevocable gift from God when we walk with Him. But nonetheless, we live in this imprisoned state 
We live in this, we've lost our freedom. And I think we need to understand that sinning for the Christian isn't the worst thing that we can do. That might shock a few people. Because sin's bad, right? Well, if sin is bad, we're not supposed to go out of our way to sin. But you know what? Our sin has been forgiven. Romans chapter 5 talks about that. The sin of one man brought death and the, the free will gift of Jesus brought life and righteousness. See, sin's been paid for. It doesn't matter what we do. I'm just telling you. I'm not trying to... Please, elders, don't get upset with me. But what we do, the things that we do wrong, don't separate us from God. Every sin that we've ever done, that we did today or will do tomorrow, have been paid for. Those things won't separate us. Sin isn't the problem anymore. It's not sin that's going to separate us from God. And I think the devil knows that. The devil knows... That he doesn't just, he's not out to make us trip over. We sometimes think that when we do something wrong, oh, the devil made me do it. Like he's there with a big stick to try and trip us all over. How made you sin? Why would he waste time doing that when the blood of Jesus covers every sin? I believe what the devil would rather do, and I'm speaking about the devil in personal terms, by the way, a lot of people. A lot of people even in, in church these days still haven't grasped the fact that the devil is a, a being. I think it's just like a name you give to bad things. You know, well, I'll, let's let you know, I'm referring to the devil tonight as a personal being because Jesus did. The devil is out there. He goes around like a roaring lion looking for those to devour. Even Jesus said to Peter, imagine this, imagine being told this. Jesus, the Son of God, says to him, the devil has tried to sift you, Peter. Imagine the Son of God telling you that the devil tried to sift you, tried to take you out. Well, that to me is a very personal thing. It's not just you know, the name you give to bad stuff. And so I believe that the devil has implemented schemes. That's how, that's how he works. That's what he wants to do. Implement schemes that keep you in bondage. Not just to trip you over every, you know, every now and then. But if he can put you back into some kind of a prison cell, even though you might be free, if he can give you the impression that you're a captive again, then I think he takes pleasure in that. Yeah. The Bible says that we're not to be unaware of the devil's schemes. That's how he works. And Jesus has come to set us free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. It says that in Galatians. And so tonight I'm speaking about freedom and being free for life. I want to talk about some of the things. I suppose I'm using the name freedom as my title, but really what I want to talk about is some of those schemes with which our adversary attacks us. Because we already have the freedom to enjoy but we need to be aware of the schemes that the devil brings against us. And so the first thing that I want to speak about tonight is the scheme of comfort. The devil comes at us with comfort, physical comfort. He makes us want to slow down. Let me tell you a quick story. It's the same story I shared the other morning at the breakfast. When I was doing my training as a correctional officer, 
uh, beginning of last year, one of the things we did was went up to the Mobilong prison, the prison at um, Murray Bridge. And we went through the various parts of the prison. And at Mobilong, they've got an area which has got some cottages in it. And that's the place where prisoners who are approaching their release date can go and um, they, they, can, they have a, a higher standard of living, if you like. They have more space to live in. They have a little bit more uh, room. They've got a few more facilities of their own to start to prepare for life again outside. And so, and of course, it's vastly different to the rows of small cells where the mainstream prisoners live. And so we went in there as a small group of trainee officers under supervision and the prisoners were still in there. We just walked barrel in, you know. It's quite a strange feeling. And we go in there and there's this young dude. You know, he's about 21 or something. And he looks in there, having just seen the small cells, he looks in there and he sees you know, a little lounge, sees a little kitchen area, he's got a, a private little bathroom, it's a big TV and there's a PlayStation there and some separate little bed spaces. And he walks in and says, oh, wow, this is cool. It's got everything that you need in here. And I'm thinking, you idiot. It's a prison cell. It's a cell, dude. It's got a few comfy things in there and all of a sudden it's okay. And I think that's the problem with so many people. We're willing to put up with captivity as long as it's comfy. And I tell you, the devil will make your life comfortable if he can keep you enclosed, keep you minimized, keep you inactive, keep you away from your destiny. When I talk about, uh, when I talk about comfort, hey, look, I'm not even necessarily talking about how nice your lounge is at home. I'm not saying you've got to throw away all your creature comforts. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the things in your life, our life, my life, that keep me moving forward, that keep me want to just, make me want to stay here a little bit longer. The things that distract us from the most important things, our destiny, the needs of others, the needs of our community. The things that keep you comfortable possibly have been brought into your world, not by God, but by the devil. The things that hold our attention for too long. And so when I say examine your life, I'm not, looking, I'm not saying walk around your home and work out what you've got to throw away, unless it's a massive plasma. I'll have it. No. <laughs> I'm not saying walk around your home and do a stock take, although that might be what you need to do. Look around your life. Look at your life and say, where have I been standing still? Where have I stopped moving? Where have I stopped contributing? Where have I said, yeah, this will do me? Because guess what? Jesus never said that I will come and make you comfortable. Did he? Someone want to show me the verse. He never said, I'm going to come and make you comfortable. I'm going to come and take all your cares, all your problems, all the hard work you ever had to do, I'm going to come and take that all away. That's not what he said. He said, I will send you the comforter. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to go through some tough times. 
You're going to get beaten up, sometimes physically. You're going to get put through the ringer. You're going to get tired. You're going to get fed up. But I will send you the comforter. And he's going to come and give you what you need. He will bless you. He will heal you. He'll bring, he'll bring back that feeling of security and safety into your life so that you can move on. Someone once said that the problem with Christians is that no one wants to kill them anymore. Isn't it? Now I know that around the world today a lot of Christians are facing that kind of fate and so and I say it respectfully to them. But I tell you, for myself, I've never had anyone seriously threaten my life. Maybe my brothers when I was younger, but that doesn't count. Seriously, I've never been, uh, I've never really been put out at all. I can't think of anything that I've really paid a high price for my faith in this land. And what this saying is trying to say is that we have it too good. Christians are at their best. When they're under the pump, when they're fighting for something, when they're fighting for their freedom or for the freedom of others, that's when Christians rise up. That's when, when things are being taken away from them. That's when they stand up. I love that quote in, uh, in Braveheart. It's probably in a few movies. But he's, William Wallace says, ah, it's better to, to die on your feet than to live on your knees as a slave to someone else. I'd rather go, I seriously mean this, I'd rather go down swinging. I'd rather lose my life fighting for my freedom than just to live as someone else's, I'm not saying it. It's true. We've gotten too comfortable. And whilst God wants to bless us, He does. I'm not saying that every good thing in your life is from the devil, I'm not saying that. God does want to bless us and protect us and keep us safe and God willing, allow us to reach old age. But I'm just saying, hey, man, if, your com- if the comfort in your life is producing nothing, that's probably not from God. Yeah. Yeah. Does that sound fair? Yeah. I wonder if there's a little bottle of water around here somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Where is it? Behind me? There it is. Excuse me. There's a massive difference between being comfortable and comforted being comfortable the picture I get is a guy sitting in his favourite chair watching his favourite TV show with his favourite drink in his hand in this case it's water the remote in this hand with a packet of Tim Tams next next to him because that's everyone's favourite and he's just locked onto the TV and when someone comes and says hey a bit of an emergency here you've got to come and help me he said nah I'm staying right here that's the picture of being comfortable comfortable to the point of forget everyone else forget everything else that's not the kind of comfort that we should be having being comforted looks like this when we come to God and we say Lord I'm tired I'm hurting I can't go on. I can't face another day. And then the voice comes. 
Keep going. You can do it. I'm with you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on, we can do this. Receive my grace. Receive my strength. Have a good night's sleep. Let's face tomorrow. Tomorrow is another day. That's what God does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's the comforter that Jesus sent. He's the one who enables us to face each day afresh. That's the difference between comfort and being comforted. That's what Jesus was speaking about in John chapter 14. Folks, let's not seek comfort in this life. Let's seek the comforter, shall we? That's the first scheme I think we need to be aware of if we wish to remain and live as free people. The scheme of being made comfortable. The second one I want to talk about is company. Now, whenever you speak about company in the Bible, most people know you're going to read from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Who's heard of that before? And it's so true. Bad company has a way of overwhelming you. No matter how uh, stout you want to be, bad company seems to influence. And you know, experts agree that that feeling or desire for acceptance and identity is one of the strongest uh, drives in people, men and women, particularly in men. But it applies to both genders. And that can be a good thing. It can be good to want to identify, and certainly in church life for youth groups and so on, to identify with that group of people. That can be a wonderfully, a wonderfully positive influence in your life. But it's also got a lot of people in jail, hanging around the wrong groups, hanging around the wrong people, because bad company corrupts even good character. Let me tell you a couple of interesting things. It's good for us to know how we are made. Okay? I'm talking about company here, the company that we keep. It's useful to know a little bit about how we've been made. You see, we've been fearfully and wonderfully made, haven't we? God made us. And in fact, this uh, evolution seminar, I'm really looking forward to it on, on Friday night. We're going to hear about how we were really made, how we really got here. And we have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And God has, the way that we've been made, God did by design. Yes, it's been a little bit corrupted, not by God, by bad choices and all the rest of it. But we've been amazingly made. And, and the brain is one of the most phenomenal, not just organs in our body, but the most phenomenal thing that people can ever choose to study. There's no computers like it. There's no machines like it. It can do so much. It can do so many things at um, different times in female brains anyway men just one thing but it's still pretty good let me tell you some things about the brain you see the brain is this organ usually up in the head that contains millions and billions of neurons and uh, vessels that carry information and, and chemicals around the body. And they say that the brain, the chemicals in the brain, are responsible for all human behavior and actions. It all begins in the brain. 
Now let me tell you some things that are found in men's brains. This won't take very long. Some of the chemicals that you find in uh, particularly young men's brains. Firstly, there's a chemical called serotonin. Now, serotonin uh, leads to um, aggressive, impulsive behavior. Sorry, it depresses aggressive behavior. Okay? So serotonin is good for suppressing aggression. All right? In, in young, young men. The trouble is, in young men, there's very low levels of it. Okay? So they don't have this ability to con- constrain their aggression. Okay, so there's not a whole lot of serotonin in the young men's brains. At the same time, there's another one, and there's thousands, but here's a couple. There's another one called dopamine. (laughs) Dopamine. Now this is found, the good news is it's found in high levels in young men. Not too much serotonin, but heaps of dopamine. Trouble is that um, dopamine has found to cause fighting in rats. So it increases aggressive behavior. And we have, young men have a lot of that. It increases uh, aggressive and manic behavior, or that extreme type of behavior. And then, of course, there's testosterone. Everyone's heard of testosterone, right? Well, of course, that's uh, really high in young men's brains. Uh, it's the predominant sex hormone. Uh, it causes or, or uh, brings about aggression, uh, the feelings of dominance, sensation-seeking, risk-taking. That's why young boys love climbing trees. I love doing dangerous stuff. I love doing dumb stuff. <laughs> Testosterone is great stuff. And I know that uh, when I read this out, a lot of the blokes were just happy to know they actually had brains at that age. They didn't <laughs> think they had them. So good news for you guys. But for the girls, I know we had a little bit of a laugh at the men's expense. But it's not just the guys, it's the girls too. Let's just talk for a moment, shall we, about little Miss Estrogen. And her ugly sister, Progesterone. Now, I'm not a doctor, right? I'm not a woman. But I am married. I'm very fortunate, though. My wife doesn't suffer any ill effects from these, but um, these chemicals in the brains of women have been known to have been known on occasion to cause mood swings. You know, just in, in the, the natural cycles of the woman's body, these things can produce moods. And I don't know if anyone's ever noticed. It's just a rumor I heard. Now. I'm one of the fortunate ones. My wife's exempt from all those. She's just perfect. She's a beautiful, wonderful lady. She's perfect in every way. Well, what am I trying to say with this? We looked at the, the uh, powerful chemical drives in men's brains and the, uh, the uh, powerful drives in the women's brains. The point I'm simply trying to make with this is that if we've been made this way and these things are a reality, or is it just me? Have we all noticed that these things are true? 
in the lives of men and women? My point is this, that with such strong physiological forces at work in our bodies, we desperately need to be hanging around people and to be people that have a greater power at work in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need to be to uh, be those people and to become those people and to hang around those people that have more to offer than just serotonin or testosterone and estrogen. We need something better in our lives, some greater influence. And this is what Jesus was talking about when he said to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to receive it. When Paul wrote about in Ephesians uh, 5, 18, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's why so many young guys like to get together and drink wine and all that sort of stuff. He said, be fill- instead, be filled with the Spirit. And if we're hanging around people who can only offer us their natural drives and urges, I tell you what, we will soon be very, very limited in our effectiveness in this world. We won't achieve our destiny. We need to be able to step beyond just the physical and step into a a source of power that Jesus has made available to us through the Holy Spirit. We've got to receive that power. We need the Holy Spirit's power in us so that we can influence the bad company and not be influenced by it. You see, failure to do that, we're going to be locked into a group of friends a circle of mates who aren't going to be helpful for us. They're simply not going to be true friends. They're just going to be cellmates. We're all going to be in the same prison together. We might not have physical bars around us, but we won't be able to break out. And you know, that is the, one of the main reasons why our prisons have that revolving door effect. Because people get out of jail, they go straight back to their circle of friends who are doing all the same things and they end up right back where they started. And maybe you've never been to jail and hopefully we'll never go to jail. But we can all be living in a confined space in regard to our freedom. Our freedom can be minimized. And our third point tonight talked about comfort, company. And the third one is comments. I'm calling it comments. It starts with C. Words starts with W. Didn't quite fit. But I'm talking about words. And we had a great message this morning from Jeff. Jeff Mountford shared the power of a positive word. And what a brilliant message it was. And uh, fits in nicely with what I want to share. If anything, I really want to come from the opposite angle. And I I have to share an embarrassing story of my own, which I I shared in front of a hundred odd men. Now I've got to share in a larger group. So, fellas, a bit bit of empathy would be good at this time. But uh, the story I want to share, you see, sorry, read a verse first of all. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What strikes me about this verse, it doesn't just say that the tongue's got the power of you know, good and bad, you know, okay and not okay. Life and death, it's got the power to bring life or to kill people, to kill dreams, to kill destiny. 
to kill something that God actually wants to live in you. That's what we're talking about. That's how serious it is. And it's interesting to note that even in the, in the court system, when a person is convicted to, uh, to a jail term, we say that they have received a sentence. They've received a sentence. And what's a sentence? It's just a string of words joined together. How many of us here have received a sentence over our lives? A negative sentence, which has shut us down for maybe a period of time or into a sphere of life that otherwise we could have flourished in. This is an embarrassing story I have to tell. I think God must be trying to humble me or something. I don't know. But my story is this. that When I was young in, uh, in school, I played hockey for most of my school life from about year three or four right through to high school. And you know what? I did all right. I was pretty good at hockey. I was all right. And by the time I got to year seven, I was actually the captain of the team. It was fantastic. It was all right. In fact, at the end of the season, come on. Thank you, Danny. At the end of the season, I got the coveted blue certificate for outstanding achievement. I mean, back then, you had to actually earn recognition. These days, you turn up for like three training sessions, you get a trophy like this. The blue certificate, in trophy terms, it'd probably be about that big, I reckon. Comparatively speaking. And so I was all right at hockey. Now, in year seven, when there I was, captain of the team, doing so well, I got invited to join a club, to play for a club. One of the parents there asked me if I wanted to come on. I said, sure. Now, the thing with me is I'm a little bit shy and I uh, don't, a bit slow to flourish in new environments. And so I'd go to these training days and, and the season started and playing a few games and I was a little bit on the back foot, I must admit. Didn't quite flourish amongst bigger guys and older guys. Just doing my little bit on the left wing there, you know, as you do. And I didn't have a massive impact in that team, I'll admit. But back on the school front, you see, I also got asked to try out for the, the zone team or whatever it's called, you know, when the schools uh, join together and they play different regions around the city and the state. And I got invited to try out for that. No problems at all. And I thought that my, my uh, coach, not my boss, my coach of the club, he might like to hear that. And so I walk over to him on a training night and I say, hey, guess what? I've been invited to uh, join the, the zone team in the school league. And he looks at me and he says, you? What? I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, well, fair enough. And the impact in my life, it was only a one word sentence, but the impact in my life, and this is the embarrassing bit, I was just completely shut down. That one word conveyed to me that oh, you're, not, no point, you're not very good at this. There's no point trying. And so for four years, four and a half years, I just potted around the hockey field. I, didn't, I was a forward on the left wing. I didn't score a goal for four years. I'd go back to the school league, even through high school, no problems. I'd be banging goals way left, right and centre. But I'd get into that other environment and I was, all I could hear was, are you? Uh, yeah, you might be all right at that school stuff, not, not this stuff. This is the real game. 
like, it's only in hindsight that I realised that. At the time, I just thought, oh, I'm just, I'm just the young guy, the little guy, whatever. It's only in hindsight I looked back at my life and said, like, that ripped me off for four and a half years of my life. Yeah. I can't believe it. I feel like getting my hockey stick and smashing over that guy's head. Yeah. That's how I felt. Thankfully for me, that drought broke one day. And it was, I tell you, it was about the time, I'm serious, I've, I've rethought about this. This is the truth. It was about the time I realised now, looking back and I checked the dates on my baptism certificate, it was about the time I got baptised. That I, all of a sudden, the drought seemed to break and I was able to get a few goals and people thought, what's going on? You don't score goals. What's going on, dude? And I tell you, I think there was something in that and the prayers of my dad and others just praying and doing something, I don't know, rain dance, whatever it took. But the drought broke. And I realised, that's, that's an example in my life of a powerful, the, the powerful impact or negative impact of words. The power of words. They have the power of life and death. And I felt that for myself. It wasn't just a confidence thing. It wasn't that I wasn't confident because I could play on a different field, a different team and do well. But there was something, there was a stigma which words brought into my life. And working in jail, I see these guys who literally, for some of them, some of them are, you know, they made one mistake, they're in jail, they'll get over it, they'll move beyond it. But there's others in there who have literally had never had kind words or positive words spoken over them. You can see it. They are just, they've accepted their lot. They accept that they are ranked low in our society and for them that's not just, just not going to change and I've taken it as my personal goal my calling if you like to be a positive influence in people's lives to be able to encourage them in what they're doing to, not just to teach them things but to build something in their life to sow back into their life what's been robbed from them because I tell you what one thing I will know is this there but for the grace of God Go I. Don't ever think. Don't ever think that you'd never end up in jail. That's what working in jail has taught me. And also, don't ever drink a, a drink that you haven't poured yourself. Taught me that as well. But uh, that's, that's another story. That'll sink in in a moment. There but for the grace of God go I. Just in conclusion, if our musicians could come. I've spoken about schemes of the enemy. You see, we've been set free. If you're a believer here tonight, you've been set free. You're outside the jail, so to speak. But that doesn't mean that we're going to live free. And yes, we'll get to heaven. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get to enjoy eternity with God. That's an amazing thing. But man, we're supposed to live free here too. And what I've spoken about tonight is some schemes that the enemy wants to use against us. He wants to encase us, entrap us, imprison us again. 
And I just want to throw out an invitation. If you're here tonight, you might not know all the Bible verses I've referenced, the ones that we've read. You might never really heard much talk about Jesus or God or the devil. But somehow, you know what I'm talking about. Somehow you felt that. You felt that the walls coming in around you. You felt like you're in a, a cell of some kind. There's no bars. You can't quite put your finger on it. And what happens is that when you, you feel like that, sometimes the tendency is to want to lash out and some, start to try and kick the walls down and lash out and, and find what it is that's boxing you in. Well, I've seen the uh, after effects of cells in physical, natural terms. I've seen the after effects of cells where people have tried to do that. It's got too much for them. And they've tried to bust out. And the fact is that those cells are pretty sturdy. You're not going to bust out of them. You can do a whole lot of damage to yourself, physically or emotionally. And there's a much better way to get out of that encaged situation. You see, if you really want to get out of a cell, if you really want to get out of a prison, you need to ask the person who's got the keys to let you out. And tonight, if you've never done this before, I want to introduce you and invite you to invite the person who has the keys to let you out of the cage that you're in. Again, you might not feel that you're in a cage, but there's things around your life. And I wonder if we can just bow our heads, please close our eyes. If there's some here tonight that you've heard what I've said and you know what I'm talking about, I want to invite you tonight. Tonight can be your night to be released from the things that have held you down. And if you'd just like to indicate to me that this, you'd like to know more, I'd love to pray for you. just want to invite you to maybe slip your hand up. I'd love to, I'd count on the privilege to pray for those who would want to be set free tonight, to be released from the, that prison cell that's been put illegally around you. Wonderful. I can see uh, a person who wants to respond. That's fantastic. I just want to commend you and say thank you. I can see a couple of hands. Thank you. Well done. In this church, we love to do things together. We want to, we're a community. And what we'd love to do is to pray with you. I saw two, two people respond. If there's others, that's okay. You're in this. I just haven't got the best eyes. But we're going to pray together a short prayer that is going to invite Jesus into your life to set you free and then to help you live free, to stay free, that your life would count. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.